So we get a brief summary of the founding of Redwall and how the Loamhedge mice had worked with Martin. He also says he remembers Methuselah could read Loam script and that John is the only other mouse who knows the writing now. Uh, so he's fetched from the dormitories by Cornflower and Winifred, who put Baby Rollo to bed. And he's happy to decipher the script. He takes his time and at one point just stares off into space, called back to his task by a now impatient Mordolphus. It's Would you rather like to cute read the too. translation of the riddle? Yes, I will. Through the seasons, here I lie, neath the red ball that we made. Solve the mystery you must try. Grave and deep, it will not fade. Somewhere twixt our earth and sky, birds and gentle breezes roam. There a key you may espy, to that place I once called home. Take this graven page and seek, what my words in stone could mean. What can't fly yet has a beak, mixed up letters evergreen. Two B's, two O's, one C, one tap, and weary without A. Leave me now to my long rest, good fortune on your way. They're all completely flummoxed about it and agree it's better to sleep on it and tackle it with a fresh mind in the morning. Cornflower, however, feels there's more to the stone slab than just the words. And I make the comment like, oh my god, she's a person. See, like, that's why I was so confused with your hate for Cornflower, because I remember, again, like, I read this book first. And it was just like, I don't, like, Cornflower is a character. Like, I remember quite liking her when I was reading the book. and She wasn't a character to start with. No, like... And I can't remember if I say this somewhere else in the notes, but like it makes me sad that she had to become a mother and a wife before she was allowed to be a character. Yeah, you said that earlier on in the notes. We just didn't read it out. Okay, yeah. But like, I am glad that like at least this book is like Redemption for Cornflower 2022. (laughs) Oh, big yawn. Okay. So back with. Slagger, the hill, the the landslide works way better than expected. Actually, like spooking Slagger a little bit. Yeah, he's like, um, oh, e, ooh, okay, they are definitely dead. The Redwall kids burst out of the water and run towards it to try and dig out their parents. Also scaring the piss out of Slagger. Slagger's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are they doing here? Uh, Slagger knows he and the two goons aren't enough to catch the seven of them, so he sends the other two off to fetch more slavers. He takes great pleasure in listening to the kids' dismay over their parents' plight. Like, very vicious, vindictive, like, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he knows that if they're trying to dig their parents out, they're going to tire themselves out. Mm -hmm. In the cave, it is pitch black. They take stock of who's where and how they're doing. Basil is half buried, and Jess took a slab of rubble to the back but only got knocked flat. The others seem to be fine. They focus on getting Basil unstuck first. They agree to not blame themselves. They'd done what seemed best. Matthias asks for Flint to get a light going, and Jess points out that's a bad idea. It's getting warm and hard to breathe. That means that there's a limited air supply, and they're using it up. Fire would use it up faster. Poor Cheek is near panic, but Basil manages to calm him. Uh, Orlando rests a moment, and then he and Jess begin the first shift of trying to dig out. Yeah, this is the uh, why I put a content warning for claustrophobia. Yeah. Um, outside, the kids try their best to dig their parents out, but even they can see how monumental a task this is. At the same time, all the same, they refuse to give up on their parents. Slagger keeps his vigil, 
smug in knowing the kids are only tiring themselves out and making themselves easy targets for his slavers. It's a very stressful chapter. Brian does a good job here of like the ki- mm-hmm. like showing the kids dismay and like the adults knowing what's happening. Also, part of me just like, huh, I didn't know they knew about oxygen back then. I need to double check <laughs> when they discovered oxygen was a thing. Because like there were actual experiments where a guy like he'd put a mouse in the jar, seal the jar tight, the mouse would die. Okay, there's something the mouse needs. He'd put a plant in the jar, the mouse would survive for longer. So it's like, that's like one of the experiments where they discovered oxygen is like a thing we need. And that's why we don't survive if we get locked into places, you know. (laughs) Um, But also I put a small note that I forgot to read, but I like how like everyone in the cave is working really hard to keep each other's spirits up. Like they're, they're cooperating together very well. Yeah. It's nice to see. It's like the taking the mean spiritedness that was at the beginning of the series and turning it around to be more, again, like communal, like they're taking care of each other. It's good shit. Very good. The Redwallers, we're back with Redwall, mm-hmm. uh, enjoy an alfresco breakfast outside, ready to tackle the riddle left for them. The wild whiplash between the Redwallers being like safe and everybody else yeah is a lot <laughs> it, it, it is yeah. like i know that there's no way really to avoid this with the way that the story has been going but it's just like huh okay i guess this is what we're doing and again like it almost um, makes the red wall portions feel like it's not necessary for like such a big chunk of this book it's like why do we keep going back to them what kind of help could they possibly give uh, and it's because they're solving the riddle quest. Mm-hmm. Which will eventually pay off. Yeah. Um, so they know where the clues start. Now it's time to see if they can sort them out. The first clue clearly points towards Loam Hedge. The only problem being no one remembers where Loam Hedge was by this point. The next clue, a key between earth and sky, is slowly pondered out. Treetops? No. Maybe the top of the abbey. So what's to be seen at the top of the abbey? Before they can really focus, everyone begins picking apart bits of the riddle and getting all tangled up with each other at the same time. John silences everyone and notices Rollo is playing with the tablet. He asks Cornflower to stop him, and why is she laughing? And it's because Rollo found the answer. There are green letters mixed among the rest. Rollo had been pointing them out to himself. The line about two bees is revealed to mean two bees like the letter and john is having a fine time but poor ambrose can't quite keep up with the exercise and just shuffles off to go get drunk in his cellar he's just like the, like i don't know what you guys are talking about i'm, go- I'm going i'm gone i'm too old for this rollo points out the rest and then when he's done he follows ambrose and so we get the letters b b o o c t a p w e r why i made a comment see this is a good riddle quest what the fuck happened in moss flower brian Mm -hmm. like i actually like i said earlier i enjoyed this one a lot more because it's very communal like we get like the later passage that's or the passage that's going to come up in a little bit here where basically everyone is offered a chance they're trying to solve it Yeah. yeah so these letters are obviously out of order but now they know like here's the key to solving the riddle Mm -hmm. 
And then we jump back to those trapped in the cave. They're starting to accept their situation. They cannot move the rubble in time. They're already fighting dizzy spells and the need to sleep. There's a gentle banter shared among them until they slip into a gloomy silence to preserve air. Outside, the kids are tired and Maddie is losing his temper. He gets snappish with the others, uh, and when he sees Jube and Cynthia have been recaptured, is more than ready to charge in to fight. Until Slagger calls to his attention the fact they're surrounded. Maddie still chucks a rock at him. Yeah, Maddie's and... still 100% ready to go to, go to town on this guy. Yeah. Slagger pulls out his bola, threatening to flatten Tess's skull if they don't surrender. Tess tells him to run, but Maddie surrenders. Alma makes one last try to dig her father out before they're all beaten back into marching south. The kids all weep for their buried parents, except for Madame Mayo. Because Slagger says to his face, your father is dead, I've killed him, basically. Mm -hmm. Slagger feels Matameo's eyes upon him and asks why he's staring. Maddie says he should have killed him back at the canyon. Slagger jeers that killing his father is enough for one day. Maddie calls him a fool and coward, because now he only lives to kill Slagger. A savage beating isn't enough to even make him flinch, and Slagger sends him to the front of the column to escape the changed mouse's stare. I I make a comment about, like, this is when the book actually starts getting really good. Like, we've already been in the thick of the action for quite a while, but, like, Maddie's response to the trauma, making him hard, making him realize what he has to do and what he has to be... It's a very pivotal moment, and, like, I like this moment a lot better than I liked um, Matthias suddenly becoming the warrior after killing Asmodeus. And I know that probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but personally, I do like this moment and Maddie's character development in this book more than I like Matthias. Yeah. And then we've... <laughs> emotional <laughs> emotional whiplash. Back to Redwall. The Redwallers show their British writer's influence, keeping a stiff upper lip despite the worry over the lost young ones. It's very, very British. It's exceedingly British, yeah. Just their, their whole... like they're, they're like, oh, well, we'll just keep going. And like, it's... They're it's, having afternoon tea. It's okay to be upset. Your kids are missing. Like, I know a person cannot spend... You, you can't keep a state of constant panic or constant depression going. It is not really humanly possible, nor should it be done like that. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be worried. I was just... It, it was making me laugh. That's why I had to point it out. Because, <laughs> like, so- it's so British. It's so British. So, a pink iced woodland plum and spice cake is offered to whoever can figure out the 12-letter word scramble, and I want to eat it. Same here. It's just like, I want ah! it. Um, and I wrote down this- that I love the contrast between how Mordalphus is praised for taking up baking, while Orlando felt the need to hide it. It's the abbot versus warrior, and it's a really good way of showing how the cultural views, or how the culture views these roles. Mm-hmm. And the difference between the Abbey and the outside world. Like, I like this, how it is depicted, how we get to see the contrast between these two men and their baking and cooking habits. Yeah. 
It's really good. Uh, also, it's like the obvious solution to this is like, no, there shouldn't be any different. Everyone should know how to fight and how to bake. Exactly, Come on. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, John is aiming for it, but Mordalfus, who baked it, is giving him a run for his money. The moles, meanwhile, band together to try and solve the riddle. The other teams are Cornflower, Rollo, and Mrs. Churchmouse, Winifred, Brother Sedge, and Ambrose Spike, along with other, uh, along with various other huddles of background characters trying to figure it out. Um, Mordolphus, somewhat oddly, uh, the judge for the contest, he rejects several attempts for either using too many letters, making no sense, or being just shy of logical. John brings up a suggested a answer, Cot Abby Prow. And Mordalfus sets it aside as a maybe. John frets over the abbot not having a chance to try, so Mordalfus offers to take his turn tomorrow, and John could be judge. Of course, before that can be a possibility, Rollo charges up declaring they've got it figured. Abby Top Crow. And I like how Rollo keeps getting brought back into the center, into the narrative, where at first it was just like, oh, this is just kind of cute, but then I realized... He's there to show us how important the young ones are to Redwall. They are the glue mm-hmm. that keeps the Abbey together. They are its future. And this is a really good case of showing, not telling. Rolo is important. The others are important. They are the kids. They are needed and wanted and missed. And him being there keeps them going. But yeah, that's it. You can continue unless you have something to say. <laughs> Mordolphus agrees this seems the best solution, and the cake goes to them. The three confer and agree everyone should get a small slice of it. Uh, the sparrows help them out uh, as they start scouting out the abbey roof while the redwallers have tea. Warbeak reports that there are four stone birds. A hawk, a goose, an owl, and a crow. And Cornflower is just able to make out the goose. And it's specifically, specifically, Warbeak calls them... Let's see. It's hawk, like hawk bird. Yeah. Let me, here we go. The Sparrow Queen closed her eyes, remembering the locations and types of bird. Back of roof, hawk bird. This side, goose flyer. Other side, owl bird. That side, crow bird. All worm bird stone, you see. It's really kind of... Worm bird stone. <laughs> worm bird stone. <laughs> uh, we get a little reason as to why the birds are in the spots they're in. The goose faces west, for that is the way that they fly. The hawk faces north since it is a warlike bird. The owl faces east towards the sunrise in the dense forest, leaving the crow to face south. And it's really funny because they don't actually say this, but crows are typically used as an omen of death. Yeah, they never out and out say it. So like, oh, it's just, it's a bad thing facing south because bad things come from the south. Ooh, Lyra's mad. Do you want to take a pause while the baby is screaming? Uh, we might have to. Mom's probably trying to put her down for her nap. Okay, do you want to take a break um, for a second while... Yeah, do you need to take a break? I'm just gonna start eating a candy bar. Yeah, go ahead and eat your candy bar. So, they lament Jess not being there, to which Warbeak justifiably puffs up and says she will go look, of course. <laughs> the crow is covered in writing. And of course, sparrows can't read the Abbey's writing. And she well knows it and points out the mice are too big to be carried up. Ambrose makes a very smart suggestion. Teach her to do a charcoal rubbing. Honestly, I like uh, this whole interaction. 
Because, like, as condescending as it is to point out, like, how illiterate the sparrows are, um, they're still cooperating. And Warbeak is still shown she's not stupid. Like, she knows that, like, she can still help them out. Yeah. Is he? Sorry, I'm here. Oh. I said, yeah. Okay. Discord was not cooperating. Discord, please. Discord. So, Cornflower agrees to teach uh, Warbeak how to do this and gives her some parchment and charcoal. And then Kit goes on a little tangent off in the notes, like, <laughs> how do they make their parchment or bind their books? And I'm like, plant-based parchment with wooden covers bound in cloth. What I'm thinking about is how they made glue. That's true. I mean, hmm. There is certain, like, I know there are certain tree saps that could potentially be used, and there, like, are other sticky things besides, like, the horse glue. But, like, could you make glue out of fish bones? Out of no. cartilage? Cartilage doesn't have what... Uh, like no, it's not... Co- that's, you're thinking of collagen. Yeah, collagen, that's what it is. And collagen is not glue. Mm-mm. Here, hold on. No, wait, we're gonna... Uh, <laughs> tangent time, guys. We're four hours in and on our next tangent. <laughs> vegan glue. This ought to be good. What is vegan glue made of? Probably plastic. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, that was me. Yeah, I'm getting synthetic, <sighs> but I want non-synthetic vegan glue. Yeah, that's like one crack. That's like, sorry, not to take a shot at vegans, but like it cracks when vegans are like, our way of life is so much healthier. It's like, how much of your way of life has replaced like natural ingredients with uh, plastic? Like over half of your stuff is just plastic. Okay, I found a plant-based glue. Okay. What are you made from? Like there was this one mango leather that I was down with. They're like, yeah, we use old fruit to make leather. I'm like, that's kind of neat. And they're like, and then we put polymers into it. I'm just like, that's plastic. It's literally just pleather again. What is is this made of? What are you made of? It doesn't tell me what it's made of. What are you made of? Mystery. What are you made of? Plant-based glue. Glue to you. Okay. (laughs) Lyra's occasional complaints in the background. Okay, so you can make a super glue from cellulose nanocrystals. So, yeah, that is... Which requires lab work to make. Oh, brother. If you gotta bend over backwards that much, is it really worth it? Hold on, let me, uh... What did they use to bind books before inventing glue? Well, Japan and, like, other places that didn't use glue, they would just use straight up, um, like... String. Short history of bookbinding. We don't have time for this, squirrels. Nope, doing it. <laughs> squirrels, we don't have time for this. <laughs> Izzy, please. But again, like I said, they would just straight up use um, string and use different string binding methods to hold books together. Or you yeah. could have scrolls. Um, I think they could even use like metal clasps. 
like glue only really started getting popular as far as I know back when you would get like really good manuscripts or when you'd start getting the printing press and they were making stuff fast. So they didn't really have Ancient the Egyptians were gluing papyrus together. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> I'm the Egyptian nerd. I should know this. They probably, their books would be bound with twine or something and not glue. Mm -hmm. And if they did have covers, they would probably use metal to yeah. hold the covers, like, in place. Yeah. Which um, was common for illuminated manuscripts because, like, shiny metal meant, like, hey, like, look how yes. important this is. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the cave. <laughs> Uh, the others are slipping into a coma-like state from the lack of oxygen. Uh, Matthias slips into a dream about Redwall. Uh, he goes to speak to Martin, but Martin steps down from the tapestry to scold him. Why do you keep putting spaces in things? I I didn't do that intentionally. I think it was just because I was getting tired, maybe? No, you just did that! I did? Oh, that was an accident then. I'm sorry. I, I, I clicked <laughs> down on it and I must have hit the... Huh. Okay. Anyway, Martin steps oh, down no, from the top. I, I know what it is. It's when I click back and forth from my tablet to the uh, document. Oh. Because if I hit, like, there's a button on my tablet that I hit to, like, move the, the canvas around, like, use the hand tool. I've got my pen short, uh, like, the hotkey uh, tab to my pen. Um, it, it also works as the space button. So, like, if I want to pause oh. or start a video or, like, okay. use the space... Yeah, sorry. So I just, you're just accidentally putting spaces in yes, here. Yes, <laughs> I keep forgetting that it is connected to that. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, so Martin steps down from the tapestry to scold him, using Orlando's axe to prod at him until he awakens. Like basically, like he's poking him. Like it, there's something actually. Matthias. There's something really cute about this whole interaction. <laughs> just him being like, "Hey, aren't you a warrior? Why are you sleeping on the job, dude?" Wake the fuck up! Yeah, like, it's, there's just something really cute about this whole interaction, and I like yeah. it a lot. So, Matthias uh, realizes he has rolled onto the axe when he wakes up, and he realizes that it was a dream, and also a warning. Uh, galvanized, he climbs up the rubble slope with the axe, and starts shoving the handle in, wiggling it back and forth. Uh, after agonizing effort, he feels it, the smallest breath of fresh air. With fresh air and daylight coming in, Martin gets to work reviving his friends. Uh, he wakes up Basil first, who gripes about having a dream meal interrupted. And then he sends Basil to wake up Cheek, while he also helps Jess. I and then like all together, they manage... To wake up Cheek. <laughs> uh, all together, they manage to wake up Orlando. And it actually takes a while for Orlando to wake up, mm -hmm. because he's just so big. Mm -hmm. Um... Orlando complains about having a, a headache, that, uh, like 10 badgers worth of a headache. Yeah. And then speaks gratefully about the fresh, clean air coming in, like fresh, clear water. Basil says not to speak of drinks just yet, how, uh, how he could do for one, and in the middle of a story is muffled by his friends. They've heard something outside. Uh, and to decide friend or foe, they need to, uh, they need to risk, like, calling out to them to be able to get outside. Yeah. It's like, either uh, we stay in here or we just take this chance and maybe we get out. Yeah. Using his sword belt and Orlando's axe handle, they have Basil, like, wiggle it around in the hole to get, uh, get the attention of whatever's outside. And it works, and they pull the axe back into parlay. 
Uh, Matthias goes to the hole to call for help, and we very quickly learn the critters outside are the Gusem, <laughs> the Gorilla Union of Shrews in Mossflower. Orlando, of course, is very puzzled. He has no idea what this is, and Matthias is just like, they're a bunch of shrews, they're very argumentative, let me do the talking. Is he? And he asks, what? Deus ex shrukana. I'm divorcing you! I told you, every episode, you will not escape. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> or rather, every Any- recording, not every episode. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he asks to speak to Lagalog. And Lagalog is like, who the fuck asked for me? <laughs> and Matthias is like, you old fuck, it's me! Yeah. <laughs> and Lagalog's like, oh shit, Matthias! Yeah, it's so good. They're both just like, oh man, hey! They're so happy to see each other, it's so good. Yeah, Lagalog promises to get them out by supper and expresses dismay when Basil is named among the trap creatures. He's like, oh, actually, I'm sorry for mentioning supper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, by afternoon they are greeted by a shrew named Gurn who says he's the best digger and that some say his granddad was a mole Orlando greets him and Gurn says that uh, Orlando better go last since he's so big yeah, he's just like, dang you're a big feller <laughs> <laughs> hang on let me see if I can actually find it because like it's a cute it's a cute uh, exchange uh, okay um... I don't know what you're feeding him but he's too damn big yeah. Afternoon, Dick and Parker cook through. Okay. Well, Gurn, I can't tell you how glad we are to see you. I'm Orlando the Axe. Hmm, big feller, aren't you? I hope this tunnel's wide enough to take you. You better go last, Orlando. Smallest first. <laughs> Just like, hmm, you're a big feller. <laughs> what you feeding him, but he is too damn <laughs> It's bruising and slow, but everyone manages to get out. The tunnel collapses behind Orlando as he is pulled out. Once outside, they spend some time in the river to wash off the dirt of their almost tomb. We actually get um uh Jabez commenting like, I haven't dared to take a bath in ages. I also just realized this could be like a very unsubtle metaphor for being baptized. <laughs> Like, uh, like, they, uh, uh, like they were buried, that. they came back, and then they, you know, like, got in the river. Sorry, like, again, I am the Christian. I am supposed to point this stuff out. I know, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually hate it. Yeah. I'm just like, eh, I didn't think of that. Nah. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, it might not be intentional, but I bet you anything that is part of what his inspiration was. Yeah. So Matthias fills the uh, fills Logalog in on what's been happening, and Logalog immediately is like, "Nah, I'm gonna help you." Um, he's heard rumors about the slaver- slavers, and he is outraged at their slimy, underhanded ways. Basil notices a group of shrews sitting by themselves. Logalog explains their rebellious longer- younger shrews, led by Scan, who's likely to challenge Logalog tonight. He asks Matthias and Co to stay out of it. Uh, Matthias agrees, but tells his friend that he doesn't mind moving on. They've already helped by saving them from the cave, and he doesn't want to cause more conflict. Logalog, though, is adamant. They need to purge this evil from Mossflower. And life's no fun without a little trouble. Like, he pulls out, like, the the talking stone Uh from a pouch, and it's just like, come on, Matthias. (laughs) He's about to have some fun. (laughs) Yeah. So now we're with Slagger and Co, and they catch up with the rest two hours after nightfall. 
Once chained back in, the kids all slump down, tired and sore. Vich mocks them, saying they won't be getting food, and Slagger has plans to punish all of them. And Maddie just snarls and crouches, sending Vich scampering like he was going to launch himself at Vich. Yeah. While the others ponder the huge cliff face before them and settle down to sleep, Matameos keeps an eye on Slagger. Tess notices he's changed and asks if he's okay. And he says he's sorry for a lot of things, but now he will really do his best to live up to his father and Martin's legacy. Tess is comforted. She sees that Matameo has grown into a warrior. And like... It's interesting. We, we, we have a brief conversation in our notes about, like, how he's, like, this feels quick, but, like, he's honestly had a much rougher time than his father had. Yeah, like, sure, Matthias went through trials, but Matameo thinks he's seen his father killed in front of him. He's been taken from his home. He's been accused of, like, he is the reason they have been taken from their home. And just everything in his world has been turned absolutely Mm topsy-turvy. So, like, him reacting this way, like, he's going to take care of his friends. He's going to take care of his family, basically. And I like it. I feel like it's nicely done. It's real good. Yeah. Uh, My face itches. How dare you have an itchy (sighs) face? I know, right? Back in the gatehouse, the Redwallers pour over the charcoal rubbings brought by Warbeak. It's a map and a poem to act as the key. Would you like to read the poem? Yes, I will, because this is actually a longer poem. In 79. Okay. Those who wish to challenge fate to a jumbled shout walk straight. Sunset fires in Dexterie find where Lumpheads used to be. At the high place near the skies, look for other watchful eyes. Sleep not neath the dark pine trees, be on guard, take not your ease. Voyage when the daylight dims, danger in the water swims. Make no noise with spear or sword, lest you wake the long-tailed horde. Shades of creatures who have died, bones of warriors who tried. Shrink not from the barren land, look below from where you stand. This is where a stone may fall and make no sound at all. Those who cross and live to tell, see the badger and the bell. Face the Lord who points the way, after noon on summer's day. Death will open up its grave. Who goes there? None but the brave. A good fucking riddle quest. Mm -hmm. Because again, like, you can see the logic behind this. And again, it's also the case of like, how did they know that they were going to need this? But mm, are there even bullshit? Um, <laughs> Is he over here so, like, not? I hate this. <laughs> I don't actually. I think it's really cool. So. Yeah. Thankfully, this one is a lot easier for them to decipher thanks to the previous riddle. Thorn and Shout are north and south, and Formal knows what Dextery is. It's the right. Uh, and they figure out, like, um, what are the words? Dextery and Sinistry. Sinistry are the, like, loam hedge words for, 
let uh, left and right mm-hmm. or right and left. Um, they wish they could get this to Matthias, and Warbeak volunteers her people. Make copies, and her sparrows will fly. They agree to this and make plans so Warbeak and her warriors can fly at first light. Outside, a magpie who was spying flies north into the woods. When I read this, I remembered something that does happen later in the book, which I think leads to the tearing down of St. Ninian's. But anyway, it might be in a book later than this. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Well, anyway, that is the end of book one. We've got the, 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 the little like foreshadowing of the tertiary plot. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think this is like second foreshadowing of the tertiary plot. Yeah, because like the the thing is, is that like I remember thinking like there's got to be more to this book because I remember like they're not far from getting the kids back now, which I'm pretty sure they're going to do in the next chap like the next book. Um, so I was mm-hmm. like, all right, what else is going to pad this book out? Because I remember there is more to this book, and now it's like, all right, here it is. Here's like the hinting of the more that's going to happen in this book. Yeah. Right, now I'm trying to figure out, uh, you accidentally deleted all of our questions and shit from the end. Oh, shoot, I did. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> we made it two books in before I destroyed everything. Oh, <sighs> I'm so sorry. Um, I forgot to pin uh, the questions uh, Sarpedon asked us, and now I can't find it. Uh, ah, uh, it's already been, like, we've almost been doing this for four and a half hour, guys. Please have mercy on us. Four and a half hour. Four and a half hours. I'm taking another bite of donuts, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> Give me a second while I try to find this question, because I think Sarpedon was the only one who asked us something. Mm-hmm. I feel like Obo asked me something, too, and I forgot to write it down. Uh, Sorry, Obo. Uh, let's see. You guys had a discussion about clothes, Mm -hmm. like homespun cloth and stuff. Yeah, we were talking about how, um, like, how the Redwallers' lifestyle, like, where where do they get the materials to spin their clothes? Because, like, I know, like, maybe they raise hemp. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the domestic animals that people would have used to make a lot of clothing back then. Um... Like the, the 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 like they don't have the sheep, the goats. They don't have the uh, the supplies to make these homemade clothes in a lot of ways, um, which had me kind of going like, wait a minute, like where are they getting the cloth to make this? Since they don't raise these animals, and it's the same question of like, well, where do they get the fresh milk? Yada yada yada. Sometimes you just cannot question it. You've got to accept that it's not gonna make any blinking sense. I'm scrolling. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, that's okay. We've reached the end, so like mm. I, the stuff can be cut out. Yeah, it'll be easier for you to cut. This I should have mm-hmm. pinned this like a smart person. Oh, I could have pinned it but too. I I'm a. I was. Didn't. I'm a mod too. I could have pinned it. Or the entire conversation about Star Wars. <laughs> that was a good conversation. It was. God, speaking of Star Wars, I'm so happy with the Book of Boba Fett and one of the more recent episodes. I'm just crying. 
Like, yes, good, good, good food. I still love the fact that, uh, like, Fennec keeps telling him, like, you're you're the head of a family now. So Boba seems to be like, well, shit, now I got to go out and adopt a bunch of kids, I guess. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Do you remember the shit that we had at the end? Um, it was what animal surprised you? What was your favorite food? And didn't was it did an animal? But we were we're also missing like all of our like. Oh no! I did, didn't I? You did. I'm so sorry. Me. Hold on, I'm looking at the the changes. It's fine. I can go get it. Thank you. Because if you accidentally deleted it, it will be in the change history. Thank you. Yes, I did. Uh, I can't believe I did. I can't believe I've done this. I can't believe you've done this. There you are. Thank you. Ba, ba, ba. You are a gem. Okay. I found it. I fixed it. Okay. So, all right. So... That was half of the fucking book. <laughs> no wonder we took and like that's... four and a half hours to do it. Yeah, Jesus. Well, hey, we'll get All plenty right. of episodes from this one recording, so. <laughs> so, what was your favorite weird Abbey food in this book? It, it, is, it isn't weird, but like, either I want that mushroom stew or that plum, like pink plum spice cake. Like, give me uh, just a bite of every single food from that feast. God. I want some of the carp capital. <laughs> I want... The dessert, the list of desserts. Oh my god! Just all of the food in this book. Honestly, living in all Wyoming, I would definitely kill for some of that salad. Wee, <laughs> I'm hungry. Well, you can uh, go have there... lunch after this now. Yes. Was there an animal that appeared that surprised you, or did an animal subvert expectations? I completely forgot about the newt, so I guess that counts. I forgot about everything, but I'm like, the fucking fighty hedgehogs. The fighty hedgehogs. I think if I remember correctly, like, when they finally meet Ambrose Spike, Ambrose Spike is like, you bitches. <laughs> like, he's, like, offended by their existence. <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part so far? I really enjoyed, like, like the, the pre-feast preparation phase was very fun for me because like it brought back many memories of like 4-H events or like church events, family events, things like that. How to like, know Kit grew up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Listen, hey, 4 Actually went to 4-H events. I, I participated in 4-H events. I was in horse, uh, dog, uh, poultry, um... Do you know I was part of 4-H, but my school, because it was in the middle of a city, didn't do anything with it? Oh my god, what is even the point then? Uh, clout. Jeez, whatever. I don't um, know. I actually, I have no idea. Yeah, um, but yes, I was in 4-H, but again, like, it reminds me of, like, a lot of those events where you would just, like, everyone gets together and you prepare stuff and go. 
fucking amazing. Okay, but my favorite part is when the kids came up with the plan to hide under the stream bank. Yeah, the kids get. That was attempt. really good. They were very smart. They were. It was a very good moment. Uh, the past little bit, we've had a lot of very interesting conversations in the Discord, which everybody should join because we talk about hey, what characters would be Sith and what characters would be Jedi? <laughs> yeah. And what animals are the Mandalorians? And um, I almost got yeeted from the server for making a forest joke. A forced, forest. Uh, it, makes, it makes more sense in text. <laughs> I changed Kit's nickname to Kit Recently Divorced. <laughs> uh, we've had conversations about like how they would make clothing, whether they grow hemp and stuff, mm -hmm. what instruments they played and how they made yeah, them. Yeah, because like, certain instruments would not exist in this world because of their lack of certain resources or knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so, and Sarfeden had, uh, after we were talking about something else, uh, Sarfeden had a question for us about, like, I wonder what other recurring villains would have been good in Redwall? Hmm. Um. Honestly, I don't remember m enough about the series as a whole to say, like, for later villains. Um. I think a bird villain would have been fun. Like, if Argulor had had more screen time, where mm -hmm. he... If we hadn't just only seen him when he was old. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like, if Captain Snow, like, yeah, he's not really a villain, but, like, ha play up his threat level, his antagonism a little more. That probably would have been a lot of fun. It would have been interesting if Clooney hadn't died, but had fled to see him and Slagger working together. Yeah, like maybe Clooney is injured enough that he cannot be the, like, he's trapped where he is. So he uses Slagar mm -hmm. as like a, 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 not an XB, but a, his hands and feet. Yeah. That would have been interesting. But I also like his death is so extremely satisfying. Part of me doesn't want to, like, uh, <laughs> I don't want it to be a somehow Palpatine survived situation. If a villain has a satisfying death, keep that villain dead. That is my my flat opinion on the matter. Yeah. We had uh, a person exists here, like, talking about the interesting, like, the things that we've picked up on versus what they picked up on reading the books. Yeah. Uh, like, the things that we found remarkable versus what they found remarkable. Yeah. It was an interesting conversation. Um... Then we started talking about the animal sizes again. <laughs> this is a conversation that will never end. It won't, but there's, so, it, it's, so there's something fun about it. It's like one of those things that you know you can, like, air quotes, argue with people over, but you know you're not actually, like, arguing, arguing. You're just having fun. The scale is nebulous and the points don't matter. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I said that otters and badgers were absolutely Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm right. <laughs> badgers especially. Badgers especially. Uh, Martin's a forest ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I made the forest ghost joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to send us any questions for, um, whatever... Whenever this comes out, 
because we're probably going to end up reading the next part before the end of this batch of episodes comes out. Yeah. But send us questions about the books. We'd love to hear your questions, discussion points. Come join the server and talk about things with us. We love talking to people. Honestly, the server has been getting a lot more like lively as more people have been joining. It's been a lot of fun. It has been. Um, we really, really appreciate the support that people have been giving us and, like, people actually talking to us about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Interactions! Yeah, and if, you, if you're listening to us because I posted this to Reddit, uh, comment on the posts and talk with us. Well, talk with me there. Kit's not going to talk to I you. I don't there. use Kit Reddit. Reddit. Kit does not use Reddit. Kit, you can very easily find on the Discord or on Twitter. Yeah. Um but not Reddit. I am the one you will be talking to on Reddit. Because yep. <laughs> I am the one who has braved the Reddit. I am an old woman. I don't like the Reddits. I'll just sit, I'll just sit on Tumblr until it decays into dust. Uh, <laughs> only use Reddit to post about Abbey Archives. I am not fond of Reddit. Um, anyway, so thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. Uh, we are grateful you lent us your ears and we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. Uh I've been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the Sean Deer. You can also find me on our parent podcast, Hope's Hearth Pod, a Hope Punk actual play podcast where we play GMless games set in a sci-fi universe. There's lots of aliens. It's really gay. Uh, it's great. You should listen to it. The first batch of episodes is about a creation myth about dogs. Space dogs dogs um those are the only podcasts that i do right now uh i also do artwork and things like that and i have been kit uh my twitter handle is kitsy in a box all one word um same thing on most of my other socials i do art commissions i do the kit sunday which are little ice cream tail themed and other various desserts uh fox critters um we're gearing up to do like a giveaway soon which will be over and done by the time this comes out but we do giveaways periodically and you'll see most of them on my twitter unless they are discord only because i do have a discord strictly for the kids and day as well but you have to message me on twitter to get into that discord yes it's a very nice community there um so you can find us both, obviously, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. You can find us on Reddit at uh, Abbey Archives. Um, I think our username is Abbey Archives Pod. Um, please uh, follow our... Uh... My brain stopped working for a second. Give me a second. That's okay. You can edit this out. Follow... Yeah. Uh, follow our podcast collective, the Hearthside Enclave, at hs enclave on twitter you can also follow them on twitch at hearthside enclave like twitch.tv forward slash hearthside enclave um, where we will start streaming things hopefully soon uh if we haven't already by the time this has come out (laughs) (laughs) uh and may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at redwall abbey bye bye Oh, we did it. Okay. We need to do a clap. Uh, at the 50? So we can or not, sorry, at the minute? <laughs> at the minute. Okay. Okay. I want to go play Pokemon. <laughs> Me too. You're going to like it.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!